0: You're listening to The Report Card. The Report Card podcast is a commentary show about contemporary American politics and international affairs with your hosts, Scott Dworkin and Grant Stern, where they grade what they're seeing in the news each week. Invite activists, elected officials and newsmakers to chat and to take your questions, too. You're listening to The Report Card. And I'm your host, Grant Stern.
1: And I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. How are you, Grant, today?
0: I am keeping dry. That is how I am. It is ah. rainy, rainy, rainy today here in sunny South Florida.
1: Well, I can't tell you what the weather is like here because people look crazy sometimes. So um, I can't talk about it. But that's awesome that you're... I can say that I just came back from Texas and uh, screw the haters. I mean, I think Beto actually has a chance to win. So I'll just say yeah. that. Mm, lots of Republicans talking... Uh, about how they just they don't they can't stand Abbott. They don't like his inaction on guns, especially gun owners have have told me, like, listen, I I, you know, I'm a Republican through and through, but they did nothing, and he sits here and he, he gives these statements, and it's all bullshit. And then
0: hey, same thing with the power nothing. grid.
1: They oh. didn't do
0: nothing. They're <laughs> yeah. they're gonna build the wall that Trump says he finished.
1: Oh boy, well, <laughs> great. That's really gonna stop. Wait, no, it's not. <laughs> um
0: I mean why didn't they just fund the the We Build the Wall scam, right? I mean, no, that's a good right question.
1: There. Well, I mean they did have people that uh support them that I think supported the same thing. Um when, you know, funding it. The the scam that they actually had and laid out and uh I think there was somebody who investigated that
0: Yeah, who I heard was it who
1: was it that i
0: don't know look him up on snopes <laughs> but let's hmm. move on i've got something really funny here um by the way it's the it's grant ironic, we're, funny
1: we're talking about grant by the way this, grant was the one who exposed that entire we build the wall thing led to bannon's arrest led to bannon's indictment anyways go ahead
0: so um i've got something like really really funny uh in like i said in the ironic sense not in the Oh, you know, I'm celebrating, but extremely ironic. Uh so Alex Jones is not attending his trial, his da- trial for damages in Texas um to compensate the the Sandy Hook kids that he defamed and the parents, well, the especially the parents. Uh by calling the the terrible terrible school shooting a giant hoax, which kind of relates back to what you were talking about with guns. And um you know, he's not there, right? Uh, last year he actually skipped depositions and blamed the cardiovascular effects from his coronavirus infection on missing some of his depositions. Okay? Right. And that um, the defense attorney uh, basically said that, you know, Jones's doctors made the decision he shouldn't be there. Well, Alex Jones was like a leading anti-vaxxer, anti Yeah,
1: I was going to say he was he was against... <laughs> He was. Grant started masks now with some people and some medical professionals, and it was wildly, fantastically successful. And um, so we were on the forefront, if you have a short memory of uh, defending mask usage, because that needed to happen because we lived in crazy town anyways go forth the, alex jones was yeah. one of the leading disinformation kings so uh king king oh uh, yeah personal choice dirt. man
0: personal choice and
1: yeah my ass.
0: mr personal choice and all of his lies are coming home to roost at the same time right you know, he lied about he lied about guns and now he's gonna he's being put on trial and he's gonna have to pay damages it's not even a trial to to figure out whether he has a defense against the actual lawsuit by the way
1: you can't, um, you can't win. A, I mean, like, I, I, no, no, it's a I haven't been in
0: trial. Like, well, no, I know.
1: I'm saying, like, I, I can't, I, I can't see anyone winning any part of things if you don't even show up. Like, are they just determining well, he's got how a much?
0: He's got, no, yeah, he's got. A yeah, lawyer. but if
1: you're not, if they know you're the guy and you're not going to speak on your behalf or you're not even standing there, I, I don't. How do you win that? In, in any, well, like, how do you get less? Like, it seems like you'll get the maximum because they'll be offended that you didn't even show up.
0: Maybe they will be. But but I mean, the reason uh, he's on trial is because he just relentlessly tried to delay the case without any reason. And the judge uh, basically decided that he had committed fraud upon the court by trying to hamper the other side's uh, 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 case
1: uh, yeah.
0: without, you know, contesting the facts of the law.
1: Trump tactic.
0: Yeah. So he already lost the case. They defaulted him. And this is very rare. This does not happen a lot. Uh, in the court system where they just award the victory to one side without an actual trial on the merits of the case. Um, This is just a trial to decide how much is he going to pay. And there's something else going on too. Alex Jones is actually, uh, he's trying to use the bankruptcy courts to limit his exposure to just a couple million dollars. And there's some bad precedents. There's this stuff in Texas, they call it the Texas two-step I just google it later guys this is like a mess there uh, with alex jones but the the beginning of the end i think is within sight for the alex jones info wars uh disinformation network i mean before long i think his creditors are going to own the you know the show the brand everything and hopefully they take it all and uh throw it in the garbage <laughs> right
1: well that'd be nice or uh Maybe everybody sent a message about how he lied. Maybe that's part of the settlement that they reached. Or not settlement, but that the, that's part of the penalty. I don't know if they can do that. Notification to everybody, you lied about this. Um, you know, they, he used to be scary as shit, man. Like, remember when, I mean, he, he had a huge international audience, a bunch of crazy people following him, and he would just point someone out. I mean, whenever he put us on his uh, Infowars site, Talk about us on his garbage show. Like it, it, always led to threats. It always led to nonsense. And it's just, it's it's nice to see justice, even though it's taking years. I mean, it's taken forever. These people are exactly, maybe even worse than we uh, had conveyed them to be. And it's just, it's just pathetic to see them try and use the same old tactics. And people are just, they're
0: over it. They're not going to let it happen. Yeah, I agree. They're definitely, definitely over it. Uh, are, so they, are they over
1: let's... it? That's what I was going to say. Are they over it so much that they're willing to testify against some people? Uh, what What the hell is this? So I see all this news. You're the guy who always explain outside of lawyers that we have, you're the guy who uh, always explains this kind of stuff to me. So what what is this about Mike Pence's people all testifying – against I guess it would be Trump. I mean I I don't even I don't know who else it would be. There's not going to be you know, many I, people.
0: I I it's all the vice president's men.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean obviously he didn't I, And and, I, well, and that is not a biased comment by the way. Now that I've looked into it, it is literally men worked for Mike Pence. And so I, and that is a play off the movie. So tell me about what what's happening there.
0: So, I mean, we all saw in the third hearing, especially in front of the January 6th committee, um, we saw former counsel to Mike Pence, uh, Greg Jacobs, uh, testify about his legal opinions, his legal advice, the memos, all the emails, all the pressure campaign. And now both he and former chief of staff to Mike Pence, uh, Mark Short, have, have all testified. And let me tell you something, Scott. These are some choice cuts from Mark Short. I mean, he went on uh, CNN to talk about it a little bit. You know, he can't talk too much because there's uh, grand jury secrecy rules and whatnot. But uh, he went on CNN uh, to talk about it. And uh, wow. (laughs) I can Mike.
1: confirm that I did receive a subpoena for the federal grand jury, and I complied to that subpoena. I can't say much more than that. He said, "But the burn, I—I I mean, where is where is that um, among the uh yeah?" So I, I
0: here I'm gonna cer- get certainly. Oh so yeah, really
1: certainly there them. were problems with some people who foolishly got caught up in events that were happening on the sixth. But I think it's unfair to describe the writer, writers as patriots or merely expressing their First amendment's rights. Um, but th- yeah, him on, on CNN was quite ridiculous. Um,
0: and that wasn't the only thing he said, by the way. So I'm going to share some more stuff cause there's an incredible, incredible quote on there, but, um,
1: yeah, I didn't want to burn it, but it did, it does have to do with, um,
0: no, 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 don't, don't, don't ruin the surprise for everybody. <laughs> this is <laughs> it does, it has to do with one of, friends, one of our best gray. friends,
1: one of our best friends. He he really does rip him a new one. I mean it's it's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I mean the you know I I gotta say, I was not I was not expecting this. Okay, this is this is some next level stuff, but I do want to play the first clip first, just so everybody can hear it, because it's it's history, man. It really is. I mean, here's here's someone who knows everything. He was standing next to Mike Pence when Mike Pence I think he was standing next to Mike Pence when Pence made the decision. Uh, not to get into the uh, the the what's it called? Uh, not to get into the Secret Ser- Service car. He would certainly know why Mike Pence was uh, concerned about the Secret Service, right? So here I'm going to play a subpoena for the federal grand jury, and I comply with that subpoena. But under advice of counsel, I really can't say much more than that. This is March. That jury. was my only appearance before the grand jury. I'm not going to comment on what others on the team have, have had to testify or not regarding subpoenas and what they've testified to. So that's, that's the meat of things, but this is quite amazing.
1: Note, You're hearing Matt Gates everybody
0: here knows, at the Turning Point Convention. Mike Pence will never be president. <laughs> nice guy, not a leader. Now this is from CNN New Day. Mark? Well, I don't know if Mike Pence will run for president in 2024, but... I don't think Matt Gates will have an impact on that. In fact, I'd be surprised if he was still voting. It's more likely he'll be in prison for child sex trafficking by 2024. And I'm actually surprised that Florida law enforcement still allows him to speak to teenage conferences like that. So I'm Jeez. not too worried about Matt Gates. Things.
1: Oh my God, that's those are like my a sound
0: effects here because it's yeah like boom and dropping the mic and leaving.
1: Those <laughs> are burns. Like it's it, those are unforgivable burns. Those are not Trump distraction burns. Those are. Things that Matt Gates can—he'll never forgive Mark Short for that. But I mean, I think that they're on different sides of the fence. Um, yeah,
0: I don't think—I don't think know? Mark Short is especially concerned about Matt Gates's forgiveness at the moment. Yeah, I
1: don't think so. I—I <laughs> I, I don't think—I I don't know. If I were Matt Gates, I wouldn't be out there trying to. I mean, maybe that's the—that's what you have to do—is you make public appearances so you can act like it's a political prosecution and keep yourself in the news or something. But. I don't know. Well, I think
0: he just wants to to clear the air because he's probably getting a zillion requests for comment. You know, like that's why Mark Short went on TV because. And by the way, it was Aaron Burnett. I'm sorry, it was Aaron Burnett. Um, but yeah, like I'm sure he's getting a million bajillion requests for comment. So he's got to, you know, just put it all out there so people stop bothering him and they've got their comment on the record.
1: Right. Well, it's taking it so. Like, I I bet. Do you think that Matt Gate's prosecution or potential prosecution was held up by Trump or his allies?
0: Mm, oh, oh! you mean like when Trump was in office?
1: Yeah, they stall it. And is that why it's taking so long? Um, I
0: don't think so. I have a strong theory on that. Um, Would you like to hear it?
1: I would. That, yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: So the drum
1: roll come in. Drop the I mic. I don't
0: have a drum roll. I got nah, one that's... of those loaded.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe,
0: will this work? Okay, I'm ready. Yeah,
1: that works. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: so New Matt, segment. Gates, Matt Gates is part of the dark money machine in Florida, like all right. the Republicans here are. Right. Um, he, his dad's rich, right?
1: His dad's loaded. He's a big donor. His dad is donor. super
0: loaded, but that's not the Republican. And former
1: like, elected, right? Yeah, the yeah. I mean, he
0: succeeded his dad in the state legislature. His dad, you know, is is rich, and he's just he's one of the real establishment, good old boy Republicans up in North Florida, all right? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this is a story of greed, greed, and more greed, all right. So, the 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 state of Florida has this thing called the Public Service Commission, right, and Oh, a long time ago now, when Charlie Crist used to be a Republican, he's Democrat now running for governor. Uh, people say he's the front runner. Um, uh, governor Crist appointed a very independent public service commission because, you know, he actually wanted people that would serve the public. How unusual. Republicans used to do that once in a while. <laughs> so, uh, anyhow, uh, FPL went to war with the state government over that because all of a sudden their monopoly was being forced to do things that benefited the public by the regulators. Well, that meant they basically bought the state legislature over the last 10, 15 years. And how did they do it? Well, a gusher of dark money that they obtained through their monopoly rents on electricity. I mean, we're talking about a company that charged taxpayers like Five or ten billion dollars to build a nuclear power plant they never built. I mean, they they just stick it to ratepayers like every which way from Sunday. And uh, Gates donated money to this dark money group from his dark money group. And the donation is logged. And that dark money group was behind the fake candidate scandal here in South Florida. You hear about the fake candidates in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. From you. Yeah. So anyhow, those fake candidates flipped the Senate from, you know, it was like it was always pretty close. You know, like Democrats had 18, 19, 17 members and fluctuated usually around 17 or 18. But, um, you know, they they basically took the Senate uh, past passed past 24 for the Republicans. And that made. Uh, Everything filibuster proof for them. So when, you know, FPL wanted some radical public service commission people to hand them money, DeSantis gave it to them. And the state legislature, which they bought already, compliantly approved everything. You know, same confirmation process in the state, just like you would have in the, you know, in the the federal level for a gubernatorial appointment. Right. So they bought the confirmation process with this dark money. Just yesterday, the Miami Herald report that they bought a news media outlet in Tallahassee, the capital of Florida, didn't tell anybody, and they spent the last six years spreading attacks, lies, innuendos, uh, very, very opinionated news, uh, and all of the opinions are that FPL should make more money and be left alone. Except, and this is the irony, FPL is very strongly pro-regulation because it keeps other players out of the market. So they're like, we're very strongly pro-regulation because we own the regulator.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. So these are actually the most pro-regulation Republicans in the entire country because they want FPL to be as regulated as humanly possible to prevent anybody else from coming in and taking their territory. Right. Isn't that lovely?
1: That is lovely. So
0: literally, the Republican Party's power in Florida actually comes from the power company. Right. Gross, huh? Understood. So that I, I, just sorry, just that
1: was I I didn't I wasn't on the ring. I wasn't on the dad joke front. I I hit the wrong button there, but you know, yeah, I, I both, needed to needed to both. give you something there. Oh, there it is. Aha.
0: Eventually you'll get it.
1: I I mean <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> as the so, audience uh, expands and gets larger and as we uh do things that are bigger with this show, um, yeah, I, I will make sure that I press the correct buttons. But uh, very proud of you, Scott. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I do like for. do like the dad joke, though. There it is. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, the,
0: it's not a dad joke. It's just the actual facts of what's happening, and it's sad.
1: Well, what I are mean, your what are your thoughts I mean, about the dude,
0: my rate? My, look, my electricity bill is higher this year than it was the same time last year, and I used ten percent less le- electricity.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, do, do, you, do you think, what do you think about the numbers in Texas? I just got back from Texas. Oh, wait, I have a, <laughs> one second. I don't know if you know, I have a cat now. Uh, did you know this? Uh, I,
0: yeah. One of my Remember pets. the last time your cat decided to stop the show? Your cat, yeah, your cat really loves this
1: program. He is an amazing uh, star when it comes to anything that you focus on. It's nuh uh nah. uh I'm going to come and I'm going to step on the keyboard so I'm glad that it stayed connected there. Um he has a miracle. He, he's now walked away as if he, nothing happened here. He's just he just kind of was like shaking it off but uh anyways. Uh, Scott, your cat anyways. is
0: a Republican.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> never. You're never. His buttons, watch out. He, if he hears that, if he hears that, you know, he may destroy the, the microphone i'm not sure or maybe the headphones i i don't know but luckily so, it's not on on speaker it's you know on a noise canceling <laughs> headphones luckily but yes we so, oh, i, I mean, did survive listen, that i did survive that jump uh, attack there so we're the, we're the good.
0: thing is here the thing here is that it's not just matt gates that's involved it's also joel greenberg his wingman who pled guilty to check you know child sex trafficking and all sorts of other things all right. sorts of other things
1: Right, they printed um, out some license uh, to try and get, or allegedly, uh, to try and get a girl. Oh, yeah,
0: no, he did that. He he pled to all of that. He was use, you know, abusing his office to do all sorts of crazy things. Joel Greenberg. Well, Greenberg is an enormous, uh, you know, he's just like Zelig uh, when it comes to all this. I guess he was just like a big party guy, and so everybody partied with him, and everybody got involved with him somehow. And so he's very central to this whole big investigation that's going on. And I mean, there's already a Republican state, former state senator here in South Florida who's been indicted. One of the fake candidates uh, pled guilty. Um, You know, I think that was last year. And so, I mean, I'm just waiting to see the other shoes fall because that's the only reason I can think of why they would delay anything right now.
1: Right. Right. Nothing else. Okay. So uh, going back, and I got a couple questions here. Um, from the crowd, what, why, who, Okay, if you're bringing in Mark Short and all of Pence's people and possibly even Pence, why? Like, who are you investigating? Who are you trying to indict or looking to indict or possibly indicting? You know, this is a federal level. It's apparently a different federal case. It's It's a different docket number. Um, what, what are you trying to investigate here?
0: Oh well, you know, forgery is a really easy to investigate crime. Um, I would Fake say it's easier to investigate because it creates a wonderful paper trail, don't you think?
1: I I love paper trails. They always hated when we had paper trails. They always. I prefer that.
0: happy trails to paper trails personally, but yeah, paper trails are great when you're investigating things.
1: Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're like, oh, I'm I'm Mike Pence, and I I had no idea that Mike Flynn had Russian ties. And I sat there waving around the paper on MSNBC like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, this letter was sent from Congress directly to Mike Pence, and he's going to act like he didn't get that memo. Anyways, he was a liar. He's a pathological liar as well. But he just, you know, has a nicer coat of paint, I guess, at this time. But he still stinks.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have to be investigating the fake elector scheme, and it all ties up to Trump. I mean, you have a federal judge that already said they probably committed a crime. So, I mean, it's not very much of a stretch to say there's probable cause to to you know, have a grand jury investigation uh, into the crime of a forgery racket. I, I don't know if forgery is one of the racketeering crimes, but I bet it is. I mean –
1: how are they going to, how are they going to, like, do do you hit them from both sides, like state and federal? Like how, like, can you, I guess, can, you know, Fannie Willis, it looks like she's going to indict a lot of people in, in Georgia, except for they protected like one state senator from being investigated at the moment or something along those lines because she decided to throw a fundraiser for his opponent. Like that was, that was not, that was silly. That was not a smart move. Um,
0: yeah. Well, no. It's because uh, you know the, the the there's politics involved. I mean, these are all political figures. And, yeah, they have
1: to be elected. They, these are elected officials, and so she yeah. has to do her work on the side. But like, maybe maybe don't do that again, please. Uh, the the uh, so they if they go at the state level and the federal level, I mean. <laughs> This is going to take years for these people to, to get out from under, even if they're just providing information.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they're going to be, they're going to be tied up in all this for a long time. But, I mean, the, the whole thing is is that, like I said, forgery is just really easy to enforce compared to a lot of other crimes. Um, so there's there's a section in the federal bribery, I'm sorry, federal racketeering law. That's related to forgery, but I'm not sure if it's just for regular forgery or if it's only for forging uh, passports. So I'll, I'll have to keep looking that up while we're talking. But, I mean, think about this. You know, uh, a conspiracy, a criminal conspiracy is one of the easier charges to prove. You brought up the We Build the Wall example. They charged them with conspiracy to launder money, right? The act right. Of, of plotting to launder the money. Because it's much easier than doing a money laundering uh, case because money laundering is a tax crime. And so that requires tax returns. The IRS CI gets involved. It's all very slow rolling after that. Um, you know, Glenn, uh, when Glenn Kirshner was on the show, he, he praised how <laughs> fairly wonderfully easy it is to uh, enforce uh, racketeering compared to other things. So I think that... Um, you know, like definitely, this is going to be a problem for them. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, going to be a big see. problem for them. I it, mean, it's it's so open and shut. They there's so much evidence. You know, they they snuck into the Capitol. They shoot away the reporters. They they did everything they could uh, to hide what they were up to. Uh, so yeah, racketeering only involves passport forgeries. Right. Uh so so there's no rec- federal RICO for forgery. But consp- criminal conspiracy covers forgery.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think and they they did reveal last night um Arizona fake electors subpoenas show the breadth of the DOJ January 6 probe Devin Barrett and Ivan Chan- Sanchez from uh WaPo covered this last night and what they said on in these uh subpoenas is they demanded records for uh, related to the signing or mailing of any document purporting to be a certificate certifying elector votes in favor of Donald J. Trump and or Mike Pence. The subpoenas issued Karen fan president of the Arizona Senate and Senator Kelly Townsend also seek communications relating to any effort plan or attempt to serve as an elector in favor of the then president and the then vice president. That is uh And they 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 said also they're definitely investigating Jenna Ellis, Bernie. Remind me if you know any of these names: Jenna Ellis, Bernie Carrick. Remember that, ugh, that guy. Rudy Giuliani. All the best people. Boris Epstein, James Troopas, Joe DiGenova, Joe DiGenova, John Eastman. yeah. yeah. And uh
0: Perhaps Victoria Tensing as well. His, his Joshua wife.
1: Joshua Finley, Justin Clark, Kenneth Chesboro, Mike Roman, and Victoria Tensing is is the last name mentioned.
0: I've got a great aside about Victoria Tensing and I see we have a call in so we're going to take Stephanie's call in a second. Um, but I have a great aside about the two of them. So Victoria Tensing and Joseph D Genova were like all over Fox News um, during the Trump's first impeachment. And then at a certain point, or during the Mueller probe, actually, during the Mueller probe, at a certain point, he said he had hired them as his counsels. And then he said that he wasn't going to hire them because they had a conflict, and, but he'd keep them as advisors. And so I was digging through the FARA archives, the Foreign Agents Registration uh, you know, Act archives. As um, one does, online.
1: For, for fun. Actually, you and I do that for fun all the time, but go on.
0: Yeah, for fun. And... Uh, I noticed that Di Genova and Tensing, their law firm, had registered, and they had registered as foreign agents of the Kurdish Democratic Party in Iraq, northern Iraq. And their job was to obtain intelligence about Congress and the executive branch. So literally, he tried to hire these foreign agent lawyers as his lawyers, and they said, sorry, we have a conflict because we're foreign lobbyists for this foreign political party. And he said, okay, I'd just rather keep you guys as advisors. Isn't that special? You're stunned. I mean, it's, it's I, I very...
1: It's, <laughs> I <laughs> just, like, I what? can't... No, it's, a, it's, I read on to the, j- just the new news today on, on this all, and I just can't, the stupidity I mean, of these people is just to fall into this. Well, we...
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I, it, it's, it's just... These are the same people. Now I I just don't know how they didn't think they'd be dragged under the Zamboni with you know that Trump is driving. So I, I just don't understand how they they didn't think that they were going to be you know in in investigated. I mean Wisconsin is now investigating the everything Michigan I know is looking into there's it Arizona seven states. They're S.O.L. Yeah. Man. Well no, I That's... mean like so there's there's those uh but the, there's Pennsylvania as well. There's, hey, uh,
0: I'll give the, the Electoral College credit for a change. The, the whole reason why they create, the founders created it, because they wanted uh, to make it very difficult to forge an election by right. making it impossible to have a multi-state conspiracy. That's why they required all the votes to happen in the state houses all at the same time. And boy, Donald Trump just proved that they did know something about this. We've got a caller, Stephanie Jansen. Stephanie, thanks for calling in
2: hi grant hi scott thanks for allowing me to join your conversation uh, i really appreciate it i wanted to offer to anyone listening that everything we're having to talk about right now this isn't normal and it's also not okay you know i grew up in democrat politics my dad was chief of staff to mayor george moscone in san francisco way back in the day he ran for congress I became Republican when I was young. My father still to this day calls me lovingly his DNA misfire. Um, I, <laughs> I don't have a party right now that really makes sense to me at all. But I think what's incredibly important is that, you know, when the Lincoln Project started and we can talk about who was there, we can talk about the impact they had. But I joined forces with them in the very, at their very inception for all the reasons that one would assume right? We understand sure. clearly that democracy is fragile. The fundamentals of democracy rely on a generally informed public that can also agree that, you know, that grass is green and that sky is blue. And if we can't even get into those fundamentals, it gets really dangerous.
0: Very dangerous.
2: And so the danger of where we are now and the fact that our democracy, and it's funny, I think people think this is a statement full of hyperbole, and it just isn't, that our democracy is actually teetering on the brink of just melting into authoritarianism. And as we also know, because I've been on both sides of the aisle, the Republicans are just better at this. Um, no offense, Democrats, you're at least on the right side of you know, our country and our Constitution, but Democrats suck at this. And so I get worried when I see them get outmanned, outplanned, outgunned, pardon the use of the word gun, because that's a whole nother story, but This is not, we are not talking about normal things, the conversations that we're having on podcasts and the conversations certainly I had when I was with the Lincoln Project, the conversation I'm having with healthcare professionals, because we are now radicalizing medicine. We are prescribing based on politics, and that is desperately dangerous. And so I just want to put a pin on the fact that, first of all, the content you both create is really important. The conversations that you're bringing to light are critically important. But I think it could be easy as a passerby to think this is just normal political dialogue and what we are talking about is not normal. Like we are not okay. And I just want to say thank you for continuing to, to to provide these conversations to the general public so those that are at least slightly curious about the level of normalcy or not that we are experiencing can listen into intelligent conversation as you walk through all of the things you are. So I just wanted to say I appreciate that. Uh, very much. And again, thank you for allowing me to join your conversation. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for for sharing that with us, Stephanie. Um, We really appreciate it too, because uh, that's an amazing point and I want to drill in on it. And yeah, none of this is normal. Um, That's why we started the resistance in November of 2016. And it was a very organic thing. It wasn't like we all got together and said, uh, we all need to resist. It was like we all had the same idea at the same time and talked with each other. There was no like conference. There was no strategy session. There was no Democrats uh, coming to us and say, "You guys need to start the resistance so we could do stuff." It was quite the opposite. It was like the resistance started, and Democrats were like, "Oh, is this going to be us now?" Uh, but I thought we were going to give Trump uh, a big infrastructure bill so he's really popular uh, because you know we want to <laughs> be bipartisan with the new president. And, <laughs> and I'll just tell you, um, personally, like after I started seeing all the ties to Russia and all the. You know, reporting on things and, um, you know, I, I just knew one thing and one thing only. And it was that the fight of the resistance, like what we were actually doing there, like the specific thing that we were there to accomplish was to keep Donald Trump from being normalized by the mainstream media after he took office. In the way that George W. Bush was normalized by the mainstream media after he took office after a very hotly disputed uh, controversial election, which he probably didn't actually win. People have said, you know, going back, if they had counted all the votes in my home county with our worst Democrat in the history of all Democrats uh, as mayor, uh, who was in charge of the elections machinery, um, you know, Bush was normalized very deeply, very quickly even though nobody showed up to his inaugural either. And the people that did show up threw uh, eggs at his car, which he didn't get out of for his parade. Um, and then all of a sudden he was governing with this, you know, 50% plus 537 votes margin as if, uh, uh, you know, 90% of the country had voted Republican. And that was, and then, you know, soon after 9-11 happened, which a lot of people blame on him for ignoring uh, reports like you know, bin Laden determined to strike within the United States. Um, and so like with Trump, it was all about denying him normalization. That was so, so key. And I think that we did it. What do you think, Scott?
1: Tell me what you really think. Tell me, tell me what you really think. Um, no, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's a tough world that we're living in right now. And I'm glad that, uh, there's folks like, uh, Stephanie and you and, other folks that are calling out people for their nonsense. And I think, you know, you and I, sometimes people will question, they're like, why are you shocked by this? Why are you surprised by, you know, this new revelation that came out? And we talked a long time about this, uh, a long time ago about this, that, you know, if we're not shocked, then it sets the precedent then of, Getting used to things, like, and normalizing things. Like, we should be shocked by every freaking thing that they've been doing because it's so disgusting, and we should be outraged about it. But there's just so much, you know, and it does, it does, we do talk about this stuff. It is, um, you know, sometimes a little nonchalant, but it's just because there's a deluge of it, and we don't want, there's that fine line of, you know, the house is on fire and freaking people out to the level where there's, you know, no hope and whatnot. So, um, you know, keeping that balance as well is is important. But, you know, I, I think it it is uh, good to remind people that this is not normal. None of this is normal. This is complete bullshit. We shouldn't be talking about, you know, the, the attempt to, uh, well, the failed coups that Trump had. We shouldn't have to talk about that stuff. We shouldn't have to debate about whether or not it was illegal for people to try and use the elector process to throw a coup and fail you know well, like we shouldn't have to talk about a lot of this stuff but you know here here we are <laughs> and and it is it does does get kind of kind of normalized through this process but as long as we keep being outraged from it i think it will into to something, something better, something bigger, and we evolve into a better people. And I think this is, this is the way out of disinformation. But at the same time, like, what do they say? The path the only is way long and winding, out, and the only way out is through. Yeah, I mean, like, this is. But Stephanie makes a really good point there.
0: Yeah, and let me let me uh, bring this up to as well because, um, you know, this is the whole reason why we pushed so hard for the first impeachment. Because we didn't want to normalize the president of the United States extorting foreign leaders for his own personal political gain. Think about that, right? Like here, you know, Michael Cohen on our our Dworkin Report podcast refused to lay blame at the feet of Donald Trump uh, for what's happening in Ukraine today. And I agree that he does not deserve 100 percent of the blame. Uh, The Russians invaded Ukraine in 2014. But I will say this. Uh, Donald Trump did more for Russia to increase their prestige in the world. Uh, He gave them more uh, aid and comfort than they've ever gotten from any leader of any foreign nation since FDR, because FDR had allied with Russia to fight the Nazis. Right. And, uh, you know, and Winston Churchill. So since the days of FDR, which was a marriage of necessity, um, you know, it's just, hey, uh, I think something that had to be done. Uh, following the Napoleonic War's example um since then there's not a single leader of any country that has been that good to russia since Donald, except donald trump and
1: absolutely you know, even not, 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 without, without question not, without question and that was that yeah. was used as a weapon by them as well that the, the right. information that we've given any tacit response any non response any kind of like this didn't happen they broadcast that everywhere, think, and then the Russians this, okay. believed it
0: if we did not protect our foreign affairs from donald trump's interference you know for his political reasons if we did not step in and say we're not going to let this be normalized then the president of ukraine who was only 6 months into his term would have committed an egregious act of public corruption at donald trump's direction in no different than in a way that michael cohen committed a, an act of political corruption at Donald under Donald Trump's direction. And he would have discredited himself to the world very quickly. Now think about the implications of that. If Zelensky had followed through a discredited Zelensky faces an invasion from Russia and the world looks at it and says, ah, he's too corrupt to give anything to too bad Ukrainians. It looks like your country is going to be partitioned, have a nice life. And what are the knock on effects of that? So, I mean, we've been fighting against normalizing Donald Trump for so many years, um, and it's just – it's a shame that Republicans are doing everything they can to normalize extreme uh, corruption, criminality, graft, treason, and lies. And the two,
1: two notes, two quick notes. One is the resistance uh, started in a – uh, February of 2016, I mean, it, it started years ago, but like this, this version November. of the resistance... It was, it, yeah, it was in November, well, like, I'm yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, February of 2016 is when we had the impromptu kind of meeting that Trump was going to be a threat to our democracy, and that's what got the wall rolling for the original um, sort of resistance, but we, we, we didn't know what we were or what we'd become, or even if we should... I, I don't know if you remember, but... You and I and some other people debated about the use of the word "resist" and whether or not it was strong enough, and whether or not it was um, we should use something else. And some terrible names came out of that uh, that we thankfully did not use. But uh, resistance was, you know, something that we uh, decided upon because everybody kind of was on board with it, the, the messaging and whatnot. The second point is. Um, I just, just confirmed just to make sure. And I knew already, but my cat is a Democrat, just FYI.
0: <laughs> so uh, I wanted to take Amanda's call. Amanda, thank you for coming. Amanda!
3: Hey, how are you?
1: Doing Good. well. How thank you, you for doing? joining us. How are you yeah. doing?
3: I'm doing pretty fantastic here in Kansas City. It's uh, not 100 degrees today. so Nice. Um, yeah. We... uh. I, I, I get going back to this concept of normalization. Um, I think it's it's sort of a twofold approach. We we need to make sure that we're doing exactly as you're doing, making sure we don't normalize this. But when you feel I, I, when you're just one person drifting in in the sea of this humanity out here, you don't feel like you can do anything about it. And we we really need to empower people with what they can do about this one vote really does matter. One person can make a difference. Um, I had someone last summer I, I, when I was still in the tent, um, someone said something really profound to me and that, that was, uh, we all have a tool. And I thought, gosh, you are absolutely right. That tool is in my hand. It's my phone. And it's amazing what one person with one phone can do. And I think yeah, we need to really right. encourage people to find that one
0: thing that they can do and go do it. That is absolutely correct, Amanda. That's what the resistance was built on. The idea that there is no way that one person could do everything, but that if we inspire everyone to take independent action towards a common goal, the effect can actually be tremendous. And it has been. And, you know, back to the idea of normalization, you know, it's really tough. After the first impeachment trial, Which we knew was likely to end in failure, although we all thought that there was a chance that we'd get a few more Republicans, not just Mitt Romney, uh, to vote for. After that, that was our big concern, that the media would move in and normalize. Well, you know, he won the trial on partisan lines, so I guess he didn't do it. And sure enough, I think they really did their best to normalize this, you know, like this impeachment Where the Senate convicted itself of failing to uphold its oath, you know, like they just kind of wanted to sweep it under the rug. But if we didn't do the impeachment process start to finish, I'll tell you right now, I think Donald Trump would have gotten reelected. It affected enough people on the margins to understand what kind of monster they were dealing with that, you know, it paved the way for what happened in 2020. But, I mean, you know, talk about normalization in the media, and, uh, and, I, and we're going to wrap it up after this. Um, you know, I, I run OccupyDemocrats.com and WashingtonPress.com. Go ahead and visit. We're in two news websites, uh, similar content. And, uh, you know, most everything goes in Occupy Democrats first. And we get raided. We get raided by uh, NewsGuard. We get fact-checked by everybody in the whole world. Um, We get rated by a bunch of places, but NewsGuard in particular is a very active human-based rating service. And they came to me and said, well, we're trying to decide if you're responsibly presenting news without too much opinion. And I said, oh, okay. Like, you know, I said, well, what's the – you know, they sent me a story. I said, what's the problem with this story? It's all based on what Piers Morgan said. And and they said, no, 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 no. You called Donald Trump a disgraced ex-president a sore loser and someone who never misses an opportunity to talk about themselves. Huh. Right now, here's the thing. All of those things are a thousand percent true. A thousand percent true. I mean, people have been calling Donald Trump a sore loser all over the world for the last two years, I think, well, a year and a half. Um, there's no doubt about that. Okay. I mean, How many other presidents decided to overthrow the government because they lost their election? I would say that's pretty strong grounds to call them a sore loser. Uh, The Atlantic and New York Times uh, magazine columnist uh, or journalist uh, Mark Levovich called him the sorest loser. Right. And so I'm like gathering up all these references and sending them off to this guy uh, for review. And, you know. Never misses a chance to talk about himself. I just pulled out the the story about Trump crashing a random wedding at Mar-a-Lago to t- to talk about uh, losing the election two years ago, which, by the way, reinforces the sore loser thing. And, and I mean, disgraced ex-president. My God, uh, he's the first ex-president to be impeached twice. If that's not disgraced, I don't know what is. And he was impeached the second time and put on trial after he left the office. How much more disgraced can you be? You know? Like, like he's under criminal investigation all over the country. Oh, that's full of grace. Right. And so I wrote back and at the end I said, look, you know, I think you guys should seriously question whether an outlet is presenting the facts and the truth responsibly. If they don't call Donald Trump a sore loser, disgraced ex president who doesn't miss an opportunity to talk about himself in pretty much every story or at least once in a while, because if they're not doing it, then they are not accurately conveying the facts to their audience. They're probably Fox News, Newsmax, or OAN. That's the world we live in. And that's screwed up. Just being confronted with the question, oh, are you guys being fair news reporters by telling people the actual truth about the worst person in America? Okay, maybe he's not the worst person. You know, uh, R. Kelly went to prison for doing some horrible things. Ghislaine Maxwell went to prison for doing some horrible things. Donald Trump, I think, did the most horrible thing any American can do. He committed treason. He held an office of the United States, and he aided and abetted people trying to overthrow our government for his benefit. Let's be real here, people. You know, saying otherwise creates a false equivalence or it's just a flat-out lie. And that's not what we're here for. And that's what we're fighting against. That's the kind of establishment thinking, the objective school, where if you tell the truth and the truth is really bad about one person and not so bad about another, making a true equivalence is undesirable because it's not as objective as making a false equivalence by omitting everything that a bad person does and just reporting what happened. Hey, Donald Trump said that uh, this the, the election was stolen. Let's just report that. Yeah. Let's not mention that it wasn't, that everybody in his administration knew it. Nah, that's how you normalize a lie. That's how you normalize fascism. And that's what we've been fighting against. And it sucks. It sucks. Scott, any parting thoughts before we sign off today?
1: Yeah, you hear that? You hear that? That was me dropping a microphone for Grant. So well done. That's uh, (laughs) well said, my friend. Um, I just, I want to thank Sam and Evelyn, the doc for joining us, all the Stephanie's Joanne, uh, Amanda, Amanda, of course, Charlie, um, everybody else on the chat. And then, uh, um, also for everybody joining us uh, on Colin and and Stephanie Jansen for uh, her comments as well. Um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I think it's a tough time for everybody but uh, as long as we have things like cute cat photos, you know, th- then we we might be all right. Um, keep uh, keep, keep uh, aware of the news. Keep an eye on everything that's happening right now because my belief is that uh, in the coming months that things are going to happen very quickly. So uh, keep an eye on everything. You know that Grant and I will be out in front of it. Um, we're going to just – it's natural – Every two years, it's like a bear coming out of hibernation sometimes. But uh, Grant and I, you know, come for, forth with a, a level of um, amplification and, and work um, leading up to elections. And so everyone be prepared for that. Um, you know, we'll have this uh, podcast and the Dworkin Report podcast. And we'll also be uh, doing stuff with the coalition. So keep an eye out on that. And uh, I appreciate everybody taking the time this afternoon to take a listen. So uh, if you want to check out any of our other podcasts, you can visit DworkinReport.com. You can subscribe to and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just search for uh, the report card. Make sure it's the one that's hosted by Grant Stern and Scott Dworkin. You can follow Grant Stern at Grant Stern on Twitter. You can follow me at Funder. F-U-N-D-E-R. And uh, again, appreciate all y'all for taking the time. Grant, I'll turn it back over to you.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been The Report Card.